Rough Trade is giving away a third of the first three months of the Rough Trade Club plus new music membership exclusively to 101 Part-Time Jobs listeners. Become a member of Rough Trade Club New Music and you'll receive the Rough Trade Album of the Month straight to your door every month on an exclusive vinyl pressing with bonus material. Club members have received exclusive pressings of albums from Sufjan Stevens, Sprints, The Last Dinner Party, English Teacher and Over Mono, just to name a few, this past year alone. Sign up using the promo code CLUB101POD and you'll get Rough Trade's Album of the Month, Camera Obscura's Look to the East, Look to the West for a third of the usual price. By signing up, you'll be getting Rough Trade's exclusive issue of the album on opaque purple in a gatefold sleeve plus a bonus CD containing five demos. Don't want the album of the month but still want all the benefits? Sign up to the standard tier using Club 101 Pod and you'll still get the first month free. You'll also get free shipping on all orders, 10% off at the bar and on secondhand vinyl in store and exclusive access to sold out Rough Trade events. So don't hang around. Head to roughtrade.com slash club and sign up with the code CLUB101POD. That's CLUB101POD and claim money Money off Rough Trade's album of the month today. This offer is for UK residents only. Do you play in bands? I did for the longest time. And I wish that I knew that DistroKid was a thing. I don't even think it existed back then. DistroKid makes music distribution fun and easy with unlimited uploads and artists keep 100% of your royalties and earnings. A million plus artists rely on DistroKid to get their music on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram, and all the major streaming services. When you get DistroKid, you can see a DistroKid bank and withdraw your earnings. You get notified when you've earned royalties and you can withdraw via the app. And you can even check your streaming stats on Spotify Spotify and Apple. Get 30% off your first year on DistroKid by going to distrokid.com slash VIP slash 101pod. 30% off for your first year. That's not bad. We know it's a tough world out there. Why don't you make it easier for yourself? And to get 30% off that free year as an artist where you get 100% of your royalties and earnings, go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash 101pod. All right, stay with me. I'll be right back after this. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome along to 101 Part-Time Jobs, the only podcast in the world where I speak to bands and musicians and artists about the side jobs they've got up to between tours, between making records and generally 
what it takes to to be an artist basically full time and i suppose that's the conversation that we're getting into you know how how much can you be an artist full time what do you have to give away or how, what else do you have to do to be able to make that happen i'm so excited to welcome mo from lonely the brave to the show their new record the hopeless just came out it's incredible this is the opening track bound beneath this track i highly recommend you go and listen to the album it's their first since 2016 first proper since 2016 and i'm really enjoying it and i think i think you will do too thanks so much for listening if you like this podcast please go ahead and review it leave some kind of unscathing review do you like that unscathing and you can get on with your lives after that thank you so much to signature brew who we're about to talk about who are the official beer of 101 part-time jobs if you go onto their website signaturebrew.co.uk you can get beers delivered directly to your house and with the voucher code 101 podcast all capital letters you can get 10% off your order they, they do beers by mastodon idols slaves sports team and a whole bunch more including one by the darkness called bell's end and there's a lot to choose from on there signaturebrew.co.uk all right here's mo from lonely the brave thank you for listening thank you to sophie porter for editing this and here we go go well cheers I know, I know the band. I've been following you for for years and years. Have you really? And yeah, of course, of course. I think the first time I saw you play, well, I, I know of you through Sam's Signature Brew. Oh yeah, um, yeah. He he got me onto you guys yeah. in 2011. I still had no um, beer. Yeah. <laughs> There's one thing I did really you... like. My wife will tell you that it's it's drinking. <laughs> <laughs> and, and well, but did you? Because at the time, I just kind of put together that there was going to be a lonely, the brave beer. Do you know what? I heard that. That was like pretty much at the very start when we first sort of got signed. Yeah. I think I was told that it might have been a download or something like that or one of the festivals that we were playing. But that yeah. was, yeah, that was um, our old manager, Wes. He was, that was another one of his things that he said was going to happen, you know. Wes then, managed you from, from a hassle? Yes, yeah. Oh, brilliant, brilliant. Yeah, yeah he did. He's a great he, guy. He is a great guy. I mean, from the very start, to be honest, if it wasn't for him, then none of this would have happened. I think that's a fair assumption. Didn't always agree, you know. Yeah, most, most well, the best people don't. Heads, you know? But that's management, I suppose, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Did that feel like a, like a fire up the, the arse of the band at, at that time? It was all we had, basically. Wes and uh, James Parrish. Obviously, you know James. Yeah, you know James. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's been an amazing supporter of this show. He, well, he's been an amazing supporter of us, and he's but he's pretty much responsible for everything that happened and just pushing us when we obviously didn't want to be pushed because we were never that kind of uh, never that kind of band. <laughs> Dogs just you do you do give off that impression, but I think it's it's very. It's very endearing, and I don't mean that in a kind of weird, condescending, bullshit way. I mean, like, I think we're all sick of hair metal. Not that hair metal really exists, but you know, you can you can tell when a band's kind of fake. Yeah, I think you can. I mean, I mean, we yeah, we were sort of thrust into it, and like, and still to this day, I can't believe that I actually went through some of the stuff that we did with the band, like show wise, but support tours and big gigs. Yeah, just like huge show, huge shows from the off, like Deftones in Paris was one of the first really big shows that we done from what I can. Wow. And, you know, just driving over there in a van, because uh, we, we pretty much stayed in the van permanently. Um, had a bus on a couple of times, but it was only ever comfortable in a van, really. How many gigs do you reckon you'd played by that Deftones in Paris show? Uh, we definitely played a lot of sort of punk all dayers. We used to do a lot of those around Cambridge, Norwich, um, Ipswich and things like that. Cause 
some somehow we just got put on these all dayers and we sort of seemed to fit in a little bit, but we were never really a punk band. Yeah. Um, but punks. Well, there's a community around that, isn't there? Yeah. But we sort of got on with that kind of DIY ethic thing without really ever being DIYs. <laughs> it's really bizarre. We just turn up and play for 50 quid and then just leave as soon as we possibly could. You know, <laughs> unless, unless me and Dave wanted to start drinking and then that would be that really. Had you, at that point in the band, had you been pre- rehearsing a lot? Had you been being quite organised about it? Um, we certainly rehearsed. <laughs> I'm not sure what a lot is from other bands' perspectives, but we all we all had jobs from the, you know from the very start when this was happening anyway. So we were doing sort of like a couple of nights after work in a dirty little industrial estates around the Cambridgeshire area. How old were you when it started? Sorry, when this band started, it was probably. 14 years ago now so I'd have been sort of like late 20s yeah something like that and then it, as it snowballed I was getting older and older to the point of where you know I still I'm like I'm over 40 now and like we're still you know active which I find amazing um so it was actually quite old when it sort of all kicked off that's what I was thinking I mean being late 20s yeah you've already got a lot of responsibility there you've probably got a healthy dose of cynicism in you yeah well <laughs> i'd um you know i think uh, in life i think i'd pretty much seen it all and was uh, on the on the way back down from it to be honest when this all this was kicking off especially when it was snowballing towards you know when we were in our 30s up to mid 30s and stuff was when it was actually you know when we were signed to columbia and things i mean i can remember being told to like whatever happens just lie about your age if, if you're asked when we're having meetings with columbia and stuff <laughs> Um, which is which, you're joking? No, no. Which is you know, if you're <laughs> if you're younger, I can, I can see how you'd be like, yeah, 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 no problems. But never felt comfortable with it. But nobody actually asked, which was good because uh, I'd have said, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, early thirties, you know, late twenties, blah blah blah. When the, when Columbia happened, did you give up the? Did, were you working normal job as well? Yeah, we were working normal jobs all the way through the release of. Um, release of a day's war on hassle and you know I've, I've always had jobs that i can sort of dip in and out of like whether it be in the building trade like i was a landscaper for 10 years um and then Great. obviously with this ambulance service i can just do how many shifts i want or how or how little really but when the columbia thing happened yeah we were um, we pretty much all quit wow so i mean yeah thanks for bringing up the jobs you're doing now usually i i quite i i'm not very good at bringing it back even though that's the kind of meaning of this podcast but i mean that's why we're speaking at 9 30 at night because because of the because of the ambulance driving job so how did you get into that and how does it work now a couple of friends of mine actually work for the um for the ambulance service and their dad runs a private firm there's it's a private privatized well there's so many there's so many private ambulance firms in the country and they have been for years and years because certain certain bits of like there's east of england they've got their own sort of jurisdiction they can't really go out of it and to move patients, so then private firms get a lot of this work to move, say, say if you're going from Ipswich to, I don't know, Plymouth or something like that, you'll have to source in another another sort of um, amb- a group of ambulances to actually move patients in that jurisdiction. And is that paid for by... That's the... all paid for by the NHS, yeah. I see, I see. I mean, um, someone else said that, oh, you know, they saw a, um, a sign-written ambulance that didn't say NHS on it, and, you know, it's... As, as a sign of privatisation. And from, from what I can gather, this has been going on for 20, 30 years. You know, you have to have these these specialist ambulances that move in between certain certain areas because a lot of the people that have the contracts at certain hospitals 
can't go out of a jurisdiction. That's why it gets handed over to another firm. Okay, I understand. That make that makes sense. Why, why do they have those jurisdictions? I don't know. Just red tape and just absolute paperwork bollocks and all of that kind of stuff. You know, um, I don't know, but it keeps me in work, so I've never really questioned yeah. it. Brilliant. And 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 you started doing it because you, you a friend of a friend or a friend was doing it. Yeah, I mean, I was I was sort of nipping in back in in and out of landscaping and uh, in the building trade, which I've always loved. To be fair, I do kind of miss landscaping because when I was doing that I was sort of I was rake thin and uh you know now now that I sit in an ambulance I've certainly put some weight on and stuff but miss being outside um yeah um, the outside thing is is a thing isn't it yeah it's just I've always been one of those people that just wants to be outside all of the time ever since I was young I was like skateboarding and just anything outside and just away from the house and my wife will tell you now as well that I just literally cannot stay in. So I find it really difficult. Have you been driving this whole lockdown time? Yeah, we. Yeah, luckily enough, I worked the whole thing and haven't stopped yet. Actually, currently we're on five days straight of twelve-hour days at the minute. Wow, twelve-hour days. Yeah, it's eight eight till eight. I'm sort of doing at the moment, give or take a few hours here and there. Um, That's intense. Yeah. So yeah, we've just been. This is busiest I've been as I since I've worked for this firm during this lockdown, as you'd imagine. Lots yeah. of people to move at the moment, and just and and convenient now that the band is doing stuff. Yeah, again, getting back into the into the throes. Yeah, I mean, luckily we um, managed to get the new record like finished to a standard that was acceptable before <laughs> before all of this actually kicked off and we couldn't go anywhere. You know, bar all the mixing and stuff. That's what I mean. Like Jack obviously right. had, to, had to do a lot of work behind the scenes, and he could do that when we weren't there. Did it give you some time to? to sit on it as well and then give you come back with fresh ears and be able to put a few more bells and whistles on it. Absolutely. Because I was personally, uh, I was so busy that I was just struggling to keep up with, you know, email after email about like mixes and everything like that. So I was like dipping in and out and stuff, but like just hearing the finished structures, I said all put together and, you know, you download them and listen to them for the first time. I was like, shit, actually, these are, you know, these are pretty good. Because I've always been the worst, my, my worst critic of any music that we've ever written. It's like, not good enough, you know. It's like, uh, are people going to like this? Do I care? Um, yeah, I think I do care. Um, I hope it's good, <laughs> you know. That must, that must be tough on your brain. It's, yeah, it's horrible. And most, most of me just constantly thinks that I wonder why I ever done it in the first place. But it's almost like this. And I, me and Dave are certainly the same in that respect, almost you just sort of get on with it and you just continue to do it for reasons that you can't really explain. You know, I don't know what, what the word for that would be, but. I completely understand. I was having this conversation with someone the other day being like, you know, as fans on the opposite side, it's like, why do we care so much? I know. <laughs> Where does it come from? And like, and like where's from hassle always, you know, I was always really anxious about shows and things like that. Like we'd, we've done a tour with Don Broco years and years ago and the, the last show was at the Roundhouse, and big, yeah, it's just a massive show for us at the time. Um, great tour, really good fun. But I can remember Wes coming up to me just before we went on and saying, um, "I don't want to worry, but uh, yeah, Columbia and that are here, so uh, essentially, <laughs> don't fuck this up." That is so evil. Yeah, I know, but this is this is the the push. You know, this is the this is like right. You better get on with this if you want to make a career out of this. You know, don't don't f it up and stuff like that. You reckon he was trying to scare you into confidence? I probably. Yeah, I don't think he, you know. I don't think he was trying to sabotage us because we were pretty good at doing that. Ourselves, no, yeah. To be honest, 
it's a lot it's a lot to ask because i mean looking back on it would you say it happened quite quickly all of the the industry stuff ridiculously quickly from from Hassel all the way through to Columbia, like the whole thing was just a complete blur. I mean, a lot of the time it's, it's, it was a blur because it's pretty much the only job that you can actually turn up to and there's like 24 lagers sitting there every single day. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. you tend to get in that rut of just having four before you play and things and then then four or five afterwards and then God knows what time you get home, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, and then yeah. it turns into that spiral, doesn't it? <laughs> It's certainly a way to get unhealthy. And, you know, if there's one thing that's a very common thread of, of all these podcast of all these episodes on this podcast is that, you know, it's pretty easy to get unhealthy playing. Yes. Around. Yeah. Especially when in that kind of industry and doing that kind of thing, it really pays to have pretty healthy mental, mental health, you know, for real, especially if you're going to just walk out in front of, I don't know whether it's 800 people a night, 200 people or 5,000 at a big sh- like show supporting somebody. It's like, that is not for the faint-hearted. And you can see it. I mean, you read it in the newspapers. If I don't know if anyone buys newspapers anymore, but you can just see what it done to, you know, like big stars, essentially. Yeah, everyone, almost everyone. Literally destroys people. Yeah, but also uh, one of the coping mechanisms that's going to get you through it. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's a minefield, isn't it? Because one thing, I mean, it's just one of many things I was just thinking about just when you were saying that is, you know, you've got all these decisions being made around you. If you're a bit, if you're a bit not completely there, there are going to be a lot of big decisions made that either you're not aware of or ones that you don't know completely, completely what's in the contract, you know? Yeah. You might be taken, taken for a ride by someone who can think they can make, make a little bit extra off you. You know, this is the industry where that happens. It is. And um, it's funny you say that actually, because I, I don't see why, these people would help you if there wasn't a little bit of that in every single thing that you've signed. <laughs> you know, they're, they're not just here to help you out. It's like that industry is just made on just potentially grinding bands into the ground as, lo- as long as everyone gets sort of fed, if you know what I mean. Absolutely. I think what it does do, though, is it really shows the gems. And you talk about Wes, talk about James Parrish. Yeah. I know them over email and over, over you know, well, yeah, emails, basically. Yeah. And they seem absolutely brilliant, you know, and, and there, there are people, there are lots of people who are absolutely brilliant. And I feel like, you know, those people must know that people like you or I are hesitant when we meet someone new in yeah. the music industry. Yeah. And I think, you know, and rightly, rightly so most of the time as well, I think you're better off going in with caution first than you are anything else. History books would say, wouldn't they? Yeah. I mean, your first mistake would be trusting people, you know, in a lot of aspects of life. But yeah, those people you mentioned, yeah, like can't fault any of those. I certainly took a couple of advances when I was in my early 20s thinking, great, music video this, (laughs) beer's there. And then, you know, within the year, I'm like, shit. And the one thing you learn is that it just doesn't go very far, does it? None of it. It really, really doesn't. No. Did you take many big advances? Did any of that happen? Yeah, but the thing with um, advances with us was uh, that we were never dished out lumps of like lump sums of money. It was all, it was all uh, like a living wage because obviously we were at that age where we're either married, had children, had houses and stuff. So that's how we done it as a wage, as opposed to anything else. Because uh, if I'd have just had a lump sum in my bank, I can well I know exactly what I'd have done with it. And so, who made that decision? Um, we all did, just as a band and uh, management point of view. I would think they pointed us in that in that direction as well, which is a sensible option, to be honest. But it wasn't quite enough to live off just that alone. Well, we yeah, we lived off it quite comfortably for sort of 
oh, might, might have been a year and a half or two years because obviously we had other things coming in like the publishing and you know we got rid of the publishing to a company um but it all like it, it was all wages it was all wages over over the years um probably yeah i don't know two years or something like that and was was that was that stress for you guys or did you all have other things like you know you and landscaping before driving was everyone pretty relaxed about it um i think everyone was pretty pretty relaxed because most of us had something we could actually fall back on you know like maybe a skill set or something like that i could always go back to sitting on diggers you know it wasn't it wasn't really something that fazed me the fact that i'd potentially be going back to do that it was like some of it was quite the relief actually yeah yeah and you can kind of you know, I can, I can certainly see why. Yeah, um, it's just some sort of sense of normality as opposed to just, I don't know, the pressure of you know someone wanting a second record off of you all the time and then listening to the cliches of, you know, that difficult second record, that difficult third record and all stuff. Yeah, yeah. Was the first one just a fluke? Um, you know, first one's all right in my opinion, but I think the new one... It's great. It's all great in my opinion. Yeah, I'm sure people like it and stuff, but I find it really... I'm never going to be that person that actually sits there and goes, you know what, that's a bloody great record, isn't it? But but some (laughs) people actually do, don't they? Yeah, yeah. And I feel like, you know, the older I get, the more I'm like, you know, fair play to everyone. As long as, you know, you can be confident in yourself without being an arrogant prick. Yeah, yeah, it's a fine line. It is a fine line, but people do it. Yeah. And, you know, if you do, if you've created something that you feel that strongly about, then why shouldn't you actually just sit there and be like, you know what, I created this and it's fantastic. In a way, when you hang out with someone like that, it's a bit infectious. You know, you're like, yeah, what, like, why do I feel shit about myself? You'd probably like, sit there wondering why you've been so self-depreciating all the time, you know. Hang on, maybe if I was a bit more like him. Well, yeah, it's like if we were skinnier, if we were taller, if we were more built, if our dicks were bigger. Do you know what I mean? This is like, this is the way capitalism works, isn't it? I mean, like we yeah. always need something else. Yeah, that's true. It's never enough, is it? And I think that's that. it's good to remind ourselves that every day and be like, actually, no, like this is pretty sweet. We got it pretty sweet. You know, life's pretty good. We're talented. You know, you're yeah. a talented guy. Been pretty lucky. You know, I don't, I don't think we complain about anything really. Where's your happy place, do you reckon? Where, as a band, where's your... You know, what? Where is it a place or is it a feeling where, you know, you can just completely be yourselves? It's probably the last two songs of set, I would, which, which is what I always really enjoyed when we were touring because it was always like the, I knew that I'd got through another one without something like <laughs> terrible going wrong, which was never going to happen anyway. But, you know, if you're built like that, that's your mindset. Yeah. Um, and then just just knowing that you're actually really enjoying it, which to be fair, you know, it's quite difficult to do a lot of the time. Um, coming from the place that we were and the kind of music that we played, it wasn't necessarily happy music from you know from my perspective. I think being a drummer as well is quite hard. Yeah, I've never been a drummer. I mean, but... it's exhausting. I never wanted to be a drummer, to be honest with you. Um, I was just sort of roped into it at school. That's initially how I started playing because no one else would do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm like a much better guitarist than I am drummer. Um, really? And I ha- I haven't picked up a set of drumsticks since like recording, which wow. was God knows how long ago, because I just can't do it in the neighbourhood that I live in. It's li- literally the quietest little Tory stronghold in all of Cambridgeshire. Oh, and I'm hell. sort of hiding out with a vote Labour. 
Stick. What town? Just outside of St Ives in Cambridgeshire. It's just a little village sort of uh, stuck on a hill. It's, I mean, it's really beautiful and stuff, but um, these aren't my people, if you know it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's yeah. a lot of money here for a start, and it's uh, it's not in this house. Every time there's an election, you realise how conservative yeah. it is, how much racism there is. I mean, it's almost insulting when someone says, I can't believe there's so much racism in this country. Of course there is. Well, it's built on it, so <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for a start... Um, I um yeah I I don't know I try not to say much about it anymore um especially around where I live because it's 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 so, such a stronghold around here but I you know I know I could never vote for him personally but at the same time people do and like droves of people vote for them um yeah but that's a democracy isn't it and then I start to think well you know who who am I to tell other people who to vote for yeah, I, I see where you're going. I see where you're and going. It's, like, it's just endless. You just can't win. You just keep on going around in circles. As as a band, of course, you know, politics will come up in interviews in rock music all the time. Yeah. I mean, being late 20s when you started, obviously you were you were all, I presume, opinionated or kind of knew, you know, more politics than maybe a, than an average person would. Yeah. But then couple that with being, you know, being a fairly quiet band. Did that ever, did you guys talk about that? Did you guys have like, did you agree not to talk about certain things to the press, for example? Um, yeah, we certainly got to the point of where we were like, didn't really, well, we're not, we're not political band in the slightest, obviously, as you can probably tell. So from that point of view, we, we very rarely discussed anything to do with it. So I think it was more like an unwritten rule where it's like, well, you know, we're not overly opinionated on a lot of matters and certainly not politics. So... We're not really going to bring that up in any any sort of interview or anything like that. So I think any time it was brought up, we, it was quickly sort of quickly sort of nullified between us because we knew that we weren't going to talk about it anyway. Because I, I literally can't remember a single moment when we've actually spoken about it as a band or anything. Maybe we did around. We'd done a big tour with Biffy in Scandinavia and Europe, and one of the first people I saw when Trump got in because I can't remember where we were, it was actually Simon Neal. And I said, to, I said, morning, mate, you all right? And he said, uh, he said, no, I'm effing not. And I thought, Jesus, what have I done? I said, yeah. oh, why is that? And uh, then he reminded me that Trump had just got in as well. So I was like, I I was like why Simon Neal angry with me? But he wasn't. He was angry with Donald. I mean, politics is just one of those things. I mean, it permeates our lives, doesn't it? And, yeah. you know, and when do you say, you know, the unspoken rule? I think there are loads of bands where there there is that unspoken rule about loads of different topics. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think communication is just one of the most important things. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's so many political bands out there and stuff and they seem really good at being political, you know. In in, in my opinion, some of them sort of focus on the politics more than they do the actual music because it's yeah, yeah, doesn't help yeah. me, but yeah, you know, I'm sure people love it and stuff. But... I don't know. It's certainly never been a catalyst for our music. Did that ever change? Did that change with with the with the sort of the new singer and and the the shift and you know well everything like that? Yeah, I think Jack's definitely got his definitely got his opinions and stuff. And um, I'm I'm sure you I'm sure you'll um, like get to the bottom of a few of them like during the the press that he's doing because obviously we're all doing quite a lot of press at the moment. But you know he's a young he's a young passionate man. Is you know he's got he's got opinions on everything like certainly from cancel culture and that kind of thing. Yeah. Which is like really strong at the moment and, you know. Yeah. Just have to be careful what you say about it at all. Like I'm, I'm almost a little bit sort of... <laughs> no, I understand. What I'm going to say about it. But um, 
because it doesn't you know you have to be really careful what you say otherwise people will literally just jump down your throat no matter what your views are you know mm-hmm. even if you all of your te- intentions aren't good you know which mm-hmm. you know sorry are good yeah no i understand yeah has, has that got anything to do with the hope list yeah i mean i've, I've been for all the, all the lyrics I'm, i've got all the lyrics on a piece of paper and stuff obviously i haven't hasn't actually been printed up yet but i've got the uh um uh, the advanced white label they all came through to us so i've just been like hammering the vinyl on that and i'm just so proud of what he's done with it because like the vocals on it are amazing and like obviously most of the vocals were done when we weren't actually there because we couldn't get there because of lockdown and then like a song would just turn up and it'd, it'd be like hey guys what do you think to this song and uh, you're hearing the song for the first time with the new vocals on it. It's like absolutely killed it. Um, Amazing. Yeah, ridiculous. Amazing. Them, really? Because I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want it to step into shoes like that. You know, just he's go, got pipes, doesn't he? This band now. You know? Say what are you saying? Do you say? I wouldn't have wanted to sort of step into a band and been like, hi, I'm the singer now. It's like, Oh, right. Sorry. I thought that you said that you sang quite a lot on this record. Oh God, no. No, I've done that a little bit through the other records, but that's about it for me. So about a minute and a half in total. <laughs> One for the CV. <laughs> that yeah, uh, stepping into those shoes. I mean that that's terrifying prospect, isn't it? Yeah, I mean I I can't understand for the life of me why anyone would want to do it. You know, not just in this band, but when when singers leave and um get replaced by other people. I mean, it must be the hardest thing you can do. You can get away with it with any other instrument, in my opinion. Nobody cares who's playing the drums, you know, at least not me. They've still got to be good. Yeah, they've still got to be good or, you know, or a drum machine, I guess. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, life would be so much easier. When Jack joined, did he have like a, you know, stability in his life with, you know, having, you know, knowing what he was doing? Yes, um, he's... He's got such a lovely family of like took us in, looked after us so well when we went up there because we were up there quite a lot recording, obviously. And it was just quite refreshing to see actually, uh, like a really close knit family, great who all really care for each other. And maybe that's maybe that's something that's lacking around the area that I live in, um, but seems to be alive and well up up north. Um, yeah, it's quite quite admirable actually. Jack and his family are um, from my point of view. Certainly, how I grew up. Yeah, he should be proud of his his family, and his family are definitely going to be proud of him. When did he join then, really? It's definitely over two years ago. Wow. Yeah, it's flown by. It's been... <laughs> yeah, it's difficult to look back and think, oh, my God, look, so much has happened in that time. But it, it is two years, and obviously we've been through this, which is the best part of a year, which has been completely written off. And we played two or three shows, I think, with Jack, pretty much at the start, and that was just old stuff. Um, just to sort of get in the swing of it and do some shows and get out on the road, really. And then, well, when we actually went in to do the record, it was quite sporadic for us because, you know, it's about two and a half hour drive to get up there. Everybody's working, so just trying to make it work. Yeah. In that perspective, it's quite difficult because, you know, you've got you've to be, you've got to be bringing money home and working essentially as well. Does that get easier, trying to you know, organize and make sure that everyone can be there when they need to, when they need to be there, but also at home at work. Well, we managed to get through it, but yes, I think, I just think it gets harder the older that you get because there's more responsibilities. Hmm. Um, like Mark's got, Mark's got two children. Ross is all the way in Bristol. Um, oh really? Yeah. I didn't know that. And, 
and me and Bush are sort of around the Cambridge area. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, when we when we have to do it, we do it. It's a la- it's a labour of love. You just you find a way, don't you? And you you couldn't stay away from being in the van. It seems no, absolutely not. <laughs> Which is Need ridiculous. the ambulance. I know. Every day, twelve hours. It's literally twelve hours of sitting either there or in the back. Um, so yeah, I'm probably, <laughs> that's laughable. I'm probably hitting about fifteen years of sitting in. Oh, actually, with landscaping as well. Let's let's put another ten on that. It's probably twenty five years of being in some sort of large square van. <laughs> yeah, I'm infected with it. You ever get butt problems for sitting down too long? Yeah, I get a bad back. Um, I, have to, oh, yeah. I have to sit on a pillow these days. <laughs> yeah, I think that I mean, it's it, you, you've done so well to to keep to keep through the years. Especially, I mean, it just makes me think being in a, starting a band when you're when you're slightly older. I think there's there's something really magical about that for me. Yeah, we got a bit of stick for it actually. I said, I remember, um, <laughs> I don't know why this is funny, but it always has been to me. We, um, um, when we signed to our booking agent, uh, Lowe and Atlantis were on the same booking agent as us, who were lovely. We played a couple of shows with them. And uh, Mike Juice actually posted up about us once. He said, uh, who starts a band when they're 50? <laughs> and he's, he's a funny, funny man, actually. I really like that guy. And that's literally always made me laugh for some reason. <laughs> and he wasn't far well, out. That's the thing. He wasn't far out and he didn't even know it. <laughs> to, to me, to me, it just shows you like you really want to do it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's just the opportunity. I can't understand why anyone would really turn away from it. Yeah. Just, like just ignorance sort of pushed us along. And just what might have been. Yeah. Just, to make, just to make a record so I can give it to my mum, essentially. You know. Have have that have there been little goals along the way? Are you that way inclined? Um it was never enough, from what I can remember. You know, you, like going out and doing small tours and then you get pushed like venues get bumped up and you go from I don't know, you go from barflies to electric ballrooms essentially. And yeah, it just never never seemed to be enough. But at the same time I was like, God, yeah, that's it. That is enough now. Thank you very much. But you just get caught up in it and just it's a bit of a roller coaster, I guess. You keep on talking about it in the past, Mo. Yeah, I know. It's because I haven't actually done much in this last year, obviously. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's plenty to achieve. We've got tour books and stuff like that, but it's just, is you know, is it going to happen? It's it's booked for April at the moment. Really can't see that happening. Yeah, I'm looking at the rundown now. They 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 could be socially distanced, though, couldn't, couldn't they? Yeah, they could, but we did discuss doing a few of those. But I don't know how I feel about it, really. I just think it's an odd, an odd environment. And you've been driving around sick people. Yeah, very. So what's sick. that been like? Um, it was quite. It's quite strange at first, especially with well, obviously COVID. When I first had to move a COVID patient, I was actually really worried about it. No matter, mm. you know, all shortages of PPE and stuff like that. All we had was gloves, a mask. And like a really thin apron. That was all we were given at the start. I was like, hang on, I've seen all these people on the TV and they're in like bio suits. How come this is what I get? Essentially a Tesco bag and some gardening gloves, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, I just just felt a bit like you were just walking into trouble. Yeah. Are you supposed to be giving hazmat suits, aren't you, practically? <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, we had none of that. That's insane, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. But most, most, of the, um, most of the transport crews were the same as well. It was just, it got very sort of lackadaisical to the point of where 
I went on a COVID ward and you're trying to the gowns are all on these plastic rolls like like um, carrier bags and I was trying to pull one of them off and the nurse just walked up licked her fingers and just pulled it off that way and I was like why are you licking your fingers on a COVID ward? And she was like, oh, don't worry, we do it all the time. And it was then that I knew I was in trouble, essentially. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, I got really ill, actually. Well, I had like three-day flu-like symptoms and I had no sense of smell um, and uh, no sense of taste either. So I just had to tough it out and sort of isolate for a while. But we couldn't get tested at the time. So after the isolation period, obviously got up and just went back to work. And then everybody else at work got them similar symptoms. And then one of the people that I work with had the antibody test and he tested positive for the antibodies. So I was like, yeah, told you. And that was like March as well. It was like February, March time. That's awful. But you put yourself out there, don't you? As Wes always told me. I mean, yeah. I mean, you're, you're a skate, you know, you're a former skateboarder. You got it yeah. in your blood. <laughs> yeah. Always Were you not- skateboarder, but always on the vert, just holding back slightly so I didn't get seriously injured. Yeah, that's how you get injured, though, man. You kind yeah. of pull out, you know, you don't commit. That's how you hurt yourself. Yeah. Were yeah. you not tempted to, like, I was going to use the word whistleblow. I don't know, not tempted to sort of, like, try to speak to someone, up, you know, upstairs, as it were, and be like, look, I'm driving people around, and there's the fucking awful treatment. Well, no, I didn't, actually. I just thought I'd just get my head down and sort of get on with it, to be honest, because uh, everybody that's similar to what everybody else was doing. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I just sort of, sort of got on with it, and I haven't. I've moved loads and loads of uh, positive patients since and haven't had any sort of ill effects, which sort of makes me think that that's definitely what I had in, Mar- in March. Your uh, honourability is one. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we, we moved a patient the other day that, just wouldn't wear his mask and just project projectile in the back as well. And he was positive. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so this is the life that I've chosen for myself. Um, when can we tour again? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, the others in the band doing, doing stuff. Have they been working? Bush, our bass player, he's, he's a nurse at Adam Brooks. So he's in, he's, uh, he's sort of locked in the wards, right. With a lot of COVID wow. patients from what I can get. Another gather. COVID guy. Depending where, depending on what ward he's working in, I guess. But yeah, he's been he's been out there thrashing away at it as well, um, probably to a harder extent than I have that I do know. And uh, Mark works Mark's a manager at a firm where my wife works actually. Oh right. Yeah, just down the road in our town. And um, I think Ross is cooking pizzas. But correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> has your uh, has your WhatsApp uh, group been popping off? You know, the last eight months with with so much to organise. Yes, yeah, WhatsApp and um, email. Me trying to keep track of emails. Um, technology isn't my strong point, but um, yeah, WhatsApp has just gone mad, hasn't it? No one's got anything else to do but WhatsApp each other. This is it. Because oh, nobody rings each other anymore, do they? <laughs> it's true. It's true. Just uh, voice. Um, you know, the voice messages. Yeah, yeah. I get tons of those. I mean, I quite yeah, like them. The lost art of the phone call. Remember that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, how are you doing? You know, it's not that anymore. It's just some horrible, horrible, nasty gif that I can't mention. <laughs> what is, <laughs> what is the lonely, the brave chat like? At the moment, it's quite uh, regimental and straightforward, and uh, yeah, pretty serious and down to business. That's all I'm going to say anyway. <laughs> <laughs> serious gifts. Lonely the brave, serious guys. Yeah, that no one ever said that, <laughs> did they? I'll tell you what, a bunch of serious guys. I mean, you must be stoked, though, going to work sometimes and then putting that record on. I mean, can you listen to the record in the van? Um, 
No, because um, I just don't. I, at the moment, I definitely wouldn't play it to anybody in case, you know, I'm trying to bully them all into buying it. So the last thing I want to do is give them too, <laughs> too much of a good thing. Um, and we listened to it at home. We got, we got a really old record player that we picked up and uh, a Cambridge Audio amp underneath it as well that we picked up for like a tenner off, off um, They're good, aren't they? some marketplace. It's really good. Yeah, it's really old and really good. So basically stuck the system together for about, I don't know, 25 quid all in. Brilliant. And a couple of old Sony speakers that we had kicking around. I've just been listening to it on there, really. Yeah, I absolutely, absolutely love it. I don't remember getting a test pressing of any of our other records. So it's so when they said, do you want one of these? I was like, oh, really? Can I have one? It's only been 600 years. <laughs> you know? Have you been listening to other records as well? I've been listening to the Owen record, The Avalanche. Mike Kinsella absolutely love that guy. Everything that he does. To yeah. Be yeah, it's great, isn't it's it? Like, it's like weird crush going on there, but I still need to get into cap and jazz. Do you know what? I have never heard them. I must do that as well. Yeah, because I think they've got I think they've got a couple of records out. Yeah. I think they put out one or two. That last American football record was uh, amazingly beautiful as well. It's all good, isn't it? I, wasn't it funny how a couple of years ago he started touring again yeah though they started touring again and then they played i saw them play up the radio one tent at reading i was like this is so strange yeah amazing i mean i yeah i've had that that first record for what seems like about 30 years yeah well, yeah it's not old and i just listened to it like so much solidly over and over and over again it's like oh my god there's trumpets in this music you know <laughs> Um, Looking and, back on it, it's strange there weren't that many bands in England anyway trying yeah. to do something similar. Yeah. Maybe there were that we just didn't hear them. There was a few. I think they were kicking around at all day as down the Portland Arms on a Sunday. Yeah. Um, yeah no one that had ever come close to that. But I, was, I, I, I had no idea that he even sort of had this solo project on the side. So I was really lucky to get told about that. Um, this is quite a long time ago now, but... Like it must be about six or seven years since I actually found out. I oh, just yeah, absolutely love him. Just think he's great. Brilliant. My wife's actually downstairs learning one of his songs on the guitar. Oh, amazing! Yeah, wicked. Which song? The Armoire. Oh, sweet. Off. The, I um, can't think of that. I'll have Ghost it. Town. I think it's off. Amazing. Yeah. I do like. I do think it's really cool that when was it? 2015, 16. It really started to pop off for press. Yeah. For yeah. His stuff. Yeah. I mean, that last record, The Avalanche, is like I, so good. I can't literally couldn't get over how good it was. And it was sort of mid-lockdown. I think it came out about May. And me, and, me and my wife, Hannah, were just sitting in the garden, just listening to it and just, just drinking, essentially. And it goes back to what I was saying about, you know, well, my, my thoughts on seeing a band doing it, you know, when they're, when they're slightly older, is, yeah. is that there's the same thing that, you know, you see with Mike Kinsella, there's... There's a a real wisdom that you get from that. Maybe wisdom's the wrong word, but do you know, do you know what I'm getting at? That at that experience that I think is really yeah. nice. Yeah, I think you definitely appreciate it more. I don't. Th I think if all of this would have happened when when I was about eighteen, nineteen to twenty-one or something like that, I think it would have just been it had been a wreck for a start, and it wouldn't have lasted, in my opinion. But I think maybe as you get older, you just like appreciate things a little bit more and just more grateful of of being given certain chances and not wanting to mess stuff up you know and for one you can't mess stuff up because you know you've got responsibilities at that age as well you're not just living in your parents spare room 
and that's why you've lasted. So, I mean, you have lasted this long. Yeah, there hasn't really been a, there hasn't really been a, there's been a couple of moments where I thought, I really want to do this anymore. And I'm pretty sure the whole band's been through that as well. Certainly before Jack, not at the moment, obviously. Um, But it's, at no point did we ever really give it some any serious consideration. It's just like en- enjoy the final product too much, enjoy records coming out and and just playing a r- really good show. It's, that's all there is. Yeah. We're really in it for the money. We'd have quit years ago because yeah, <laughs> you know what it's like. All of us would. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you've got, you've got to enjoy it. You've got to want to do it, haven't you? For real. For real. Yeah. Mo, well, thank you so much for being up for doing this with me. I really appreciate it. Oh, it's my pleasure. I saw I could do it earlier, but it's been a it's been a hectic one today. No, absolutely. I mean, it's it's just great to great to hear an opinion on someone who's been doing it for so long, you know, because I think you must have learned so many lessons that a lot of other bands are, are yet to learn or are learning right now, you know? Yeah, I hope so. Yeah. So I'm like it's all ultimately positive and yeah. The lucky boy really. And the hope list is is just that. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I really I hope people really like it. I mean, I do, which is a start, I suppose. And it's great to see Jack doing, you know, getting on the Instagram and Twitter and doing these sessions because I think that's really nice as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, someone had to do it. It certainly weren't going to be me. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right, though. Yeah, they're lovely. They're great. Brilliant. So there we have it. Mo from Lonely the Brave in all his optimism. Thank you so much for listening. Go and check out The Hopeless by Lonely the Brave. It's out now. You can purchase it at all independent record stores across the country. And and you should. All right. Here's Coxbarrow. I've been working all day for me, mate, on the side. Running around like a blue-ass fly. I've been working, yeah, I've been working all day for me, mate. This is a Mighty Moon Media Podcast. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.